One of the biggest, I think, topics in the industry today is how is ESG driving the focus of boards today? Well, when we developed the diploma in uh, 2020 um, for our online version, which is Zoom and live faculty, we had four slides in ESG. And then the phone started ringing about a year later saying, do you have anything in ESG? So we developed a module in ESG, three hours long, and um, that was bought uh, quite a bit. But then people came along, we need more, we need more. So we developed the diploma in ESG. And we got experts from around the world to talk about, you know, ESG and uh, investment, ESG and risk, ESG and strategy and all that. So it's like a tsunami. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting on a board now, pre-ESG, um, you might say it was easier, but now with ESG, it's, it's, it's much wider lens that a board needs to look through. So. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders, climate champions, and sustainability professionals who are making an impact in their businesses today. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hello, ET Nation. I'm excited to announce that I've updated my website that provides listeners more access to episode content and information about the podcast. Please take a moment and visit the website and sign up for email notifications and blog postings. Also, check out our sponsors page to see who supports the show. We can't thank these industry leaders enough. Finally, I would really appreciate if you would take a moment and post a review and rate the podcast episodes either from my website or from within your podcast app. This helps the podcast get more exposure on Apple Podcasts and other podcast networks. Also, please send me comments and recommendations on topics that you want to hear about. I hope you enjoy the new website, so check it out at www.seankgrady.com. Today's guest is David Duffy. He's the CEO and co-founder of the Corporate Governance Institute. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks very much, Sean. Great. Well, hey, uh, you know, I was watching uh, some videos that you guys had posted on your website, and I thought, boy, it'd be a really good opportunity to uh, bring you onto the show. Let's give the listeners a little bit of background about the Corporate Governance Institute, what you guys do, and, uh, you know, Maybe there's an opportunity for someone who's listening um, to, uh, you know, maybe reach out to you guys for help. Well, that'd be great. Um, so we were founded in 2020 in the pandemic, um, and we identified an opportunity to develop and produce a diploma in corporate governance and in ESG last year, um, which we could sell globally because nobody else is doing it. So if you want to learn about corporate governance in most countries in the world, you've got to go somewhere physically, you know, uh, could be Harvard, Wharton, uh, INSEAD in, in France or wherever. So we, we decided there's a niche market then. And thankfully, there's a market in the niche, as they say. Um, so, so far, um, we're now operating in 51 countries, which is astounding. Um, and uh, I think we've only about 170 countries to go in the world, maybe slightly less. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we think there's a huge opportunity here. And I suppose what we bring here is to enable people to learn uh, when they want, where they want. Um, so if they're at home, we've even had people 
doing um, some modules in, in their car as they're traveling, which probably is not good for health and safety. Well, not the safest unless they're not driving. <laughs> some of them have been, which is fantastic. Um, so, uh, you know, 51 countries. So we people come from everywhere, which is just terrific. And we're hugely kind of inspired by people who come to us because the caliber of these people who come to us is just enormous, like the head of the data commissioner in the UK uh, and so on. I can't name too many names, but you, you probably identify them too easily. But they're from the leading professional services practice from Japan, you know, Vietnam, Paris, uh, London, uh, West Coast of Canada, and even the USA. So, um, no, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, we're onto something here, we think. Yeah, I mean, you guys have only started like two, two or three years old now, uh, a little over two years old. And wow, you guys have really uh, taken off. It sounds like hit a niche in the market that was, uh, you know, there was a void there. Well, I guess we're a disruptor uh, in the market. I mean, look at our brand. It's not exactly the usual blue, gray or black you might uh, find with other kind of corporate governance organizations. And that's deliberate. We want to, right. we want to stand out uh, and we are standing out. So you guys are located out of uh, Dublin, Ireland, right? We sure are, yeah. Uh, but we have people in France, we have people in Spain, we have people in Brazil, but okay. the majority are here. The leadership team is in Dublin. All right, well, that's good. Well, we've got two Irishmen on the on the interview today, so we, we ought to make some good, you know, we ought to cover some good ground here. <laughs> um, let's break down what corporate governance really is, uh, David. I think there might be, you know, some listeners who don't really understand the whole concept about corporate governance. So if we could, let's spend a little time and, and talk about that and, and what it means, you know, what is it? What are the, who, who's involved with it? That kind of thing. So corporate governance came into being after a guy called Robert Maxwell stole 400 million uh, sterling from a company in the UK in the late uh, 1980s and it's moved on from then to be kind of mainstream now in organizations and uh, there is a harmonization now uh, occurring around the world in what corporate governance is in terms of codes and standards but in essence corporate governance is how organizations uh, are organized and, and managed from the board downwards so if you don't get the board right you don't have the right composition uh, the right skills uh, the right disciplines um, and clarity and roles, you'll have an organization that won't be optimized. So the role of the board is, is typically an oversight role in larger organizations. Right. Clearly, if it's a family business, uh, there's a bit of both here because you know all the board could actually be the executive team as well. And that some people struggle with that, um, the role of the director versus the role of the executive. But you know, the role of the board is to direct, and that's why people are called directors, amazingly enough. And the role of the executive management is to execute uh, policy, to execute uh, strategy in particular, and to, to lead and manage the organization. So there's a critical, I think, uh, relationship here between the CEO and the chair and the board, and a critical relationship between the CEO and his own executive team, because they're there to do the board's uh, business. And, um, you know, if people understand that, well and good. So the board sets things like the... the the, um, the moral compass of the organization, they set the culture for the organization, and it's up then to the executive to begin to sort of uh, disseminate that or cascade it down the organization. Um, but, you know, they're there to oversee and hold the executive to account. Uh, and hold them to account is hold them to account on how we deliver on the strategy or the business plan for the year. Gotcha. Now, that's good. I mean, I think people don't really um, maybe 
understand the value of the board and, and uh, the various uh, members that make up a board of various companies. They, they maybe understand the CEO, the CFO, the CTO. Uh, those are common, you know, executive type uh, leadership roles in, in an organization, but they're the executives that are, you know, like you said, doing, you know, executing the work that needs to be done. That's been uh, the strategy that's been set up by the board and the board members are, are, you know, they could be non-executive members on a board, right. Where they're not, you know, in the day-to-day trenches of the execution of the work, but they're supporting and sponsoring and advising the executive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, the most searched term in corporate governance on Google is what is the difference between an executive director and non-executive director? So I will explain. The non-exec director is not employed by the company. They sit on the board because they're there, because they have certain skills. It could be they understand how business is done in a particular country, uh, like Canada or Mexico, or they're there because they understand merger and acquisitions, or they understand finance or whatever. Um, and they're paid a fee. And generally, they're there on a contractual basis for three years. Um, and some corporate governance codes would limit the amount of time they could spend on a board. So in the UK, the maximum term is nine years. The executive director, they're employed by the company. And they don't get paid a fee because they get paid under the, uh, under the employment contract. And they, they, can, they sit on the board as well. Uh, but you might have only two or three from the executive sitting on the board. And good corporate governance uh, would say that you know, there should be more non-executive directors on a board than executive directors because you want objectivity, you want independence, and that's what non-execs bring apart from a particular skill set they might bring as well. Because if you overload with exec directors, well, they could get smothered. Uh, they could smother the, the non-execs. So what types of services are you offering the aspiring directors, uh, you know, or even seasoned directors that are, you know, in those roles today? So, you know, it's interesting that um, a slight majority of people are doing our, our programs are women, uh, which is great to see. Um, and what we offer uh, is, a, I suppose, a soup to nuts view of what corporate governance is. So it's a, it's a framework. Okay. Um, most people who come to do our courses know something about corporate governance. They're all kind of seasoned professionals or work for large, large organizations like Coca-Cola and places like this. And... They want to see, um, you know, from A, A to Z, what they need to know. Uh, and that, that can cover the governance architecture. So how do you build governance structures? Um, the governance handbook, which is the Bible for the board, and that lays out the various roles around the boardroom table. It, role, uh, uh, it depicts the various policies, like a code of conduct or a conflict of interest. Right. And then, you know, we cover the role of the direct, the company director, from a, a legal perspective, but also from a practical perspective. Uh, and having clarity that if you're on a board, what your role is. And some people confuse um, uh, or aren't clear on their role on a board. They might say, well, I'm on a board here, but I don't know my role. But they have a legal role. They're, you know, they have fiduciary duties to carry out, apart oh. from the fact they might be experts in ESG or M&A. And then we look at things like you know, risk, um, strategy, um, how do you evaluate, evaluate the performance of a board? Uh, and also then, if you do our, our diploma in corporate governance, how do I get a job as a, as a non-executive director? You know, that can take time. And people always underestimate the effort to become a, a non-executive director because, you know, it's not who knows 
not who, who it's not who you know it's who knows you at the end of the day uh-huh. and that requires visibility gotcha so you provide uh training materials and and education for these uh, aspiring directors and and seasoned veterans to to basically round out their their full understanding of a, a good functioning board and and all the elements associated with you know yeah. what's the best practices yeah so the diploma in corporate governance it's it's developed by practitioners and uh-huh. so on our faculty, these are all experienced NEDs or governance professionals. And, you know, in, in developing the diploma, uh, I developed it with them. And they're all specialists in those areas I talked about. We then have a governance advisory council with people from around the world, from Canada to Australia to the Middle East to the Netherlands, who know and have some insight into, you know, what flies in their particular areas. And then we get that was accredited. Um, but we not only offer the Diploma in Corporate Governance, we also offer each of those modules separately. So somebody just might think, well, I don't want to do the diploma. It's going to take me you know, forever. Yeah. Or I can't afford it or my company won't sponsor me. And they can pick like a module in, in risk. What do I need to know about risk as a, uh, as a director? Or more importantly, what do I need to know about strategy? Because part of the, the director's role is to direct. And direct means where are we taking this organization? Sure. So, It's all online. We don't run physical events. It's all online. If you're listening to this podcast, I'll bet you may be thinking, how can I level up and advance my career? If you want to get that promotion, increase your regulatory knowledge, gain professional recognition, and earn more money, then it's time to obtain an industry credential from the Institute of Hazardous Material Management. The IHMM offers eight credentials that are ANSI approved for students, experienced, skilled employees without a degree, and for the degreed professional looking to set themselves apart from the pack. Their credentials focus on three main areas, Certified Hazardous Material Manager, the CHMM, the Certified Dangerous Goods Professional, the CDGP, and the Certified Safety and Health Manager, the CSHM. If you become an IHMM credentialed professional, then you will be in the top 1% of your profession and your credential will have a global reach. Check out their programs they offer at www.ihmm.org. That's www.ihmm.org. What are you waiting for? Get started today. Well, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, corporate governance, what it really means into the business. You know, the one of the biggest, I think, topics in the industry today is how is ESG driving the focus of boards today? Well, when we developed the diploma in uh, 2020 um, for our online version, which is Zoom and live faculty, we had four slides in ESG. And then the phone started ringing about a year later saying, do you have anything in ESG? So we developed uh, a module in ESG, three hours long, and um, that was bought uh, quite a bit. But then people came along, we need more, we need more. So we developed the diploma in ESG. And we got experts from around the world to talk about, you know, ESG and uh, investment, ESG and risk, ESG and strategy and all that. So it's like a tsunami. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting on a board now, pre-ESG, um, you might say it was easier, but now with ESG, it's 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 much wider lens that a board needs to look through. So very simply, if I was to explain this to my mother, um, what is E? Well, do no harm to the planet and enhance it if you can. And with S, it's the same with people, you know, do no harm to people and uh, 
enhance the lives of people if you can. So it's been driven by um, primarily, I think, uh, governments and the investor community. So um, we've seen recently um, some investor groups in Shell taking um, uh, legal cases in, against the individual directors because they haven't moved fast enough away from fossil fuels. Uh-huh. Um, Aviva, which is a big uh, UK pensions organization, they've invested in 1,500 organizations around the world. And they've said, look, you know, if we don't see ESG as part of your strategy, we're going to seek um, board changes, we're going to seek removal of the CEO, or we just invest. Um, right. I mean, who wants to invest in BP now uh, without seeing change? Yeah. I, was, I was interested um, last week to see that uh, they had profits of 30 billion uh, last, last year, which is the same as most of the big resource companies, but they'd only spent 3.5 billion on renewable energy. Right. Right. Um, so the investors, you know, from from BlackRock, you name it, all the big investors now are big push towards uh, ESG because you know they're in like the pension funds don't want to be investing their money in organizations which are going down the tubes. Right. Right. Well, like okay, I so if you're a board and you're uh, you know having more concerns or having a lot of questions about you know what is your ESG strategy? I mean, you know. In my mind, somebody on the board needs to be responsible for helping deliver the strategy for the executives to implement, you know, within the company. How is that, you know, changing in that dynamic in the boardroom today with this ESG? Because as you mentioned, investors are, are pushing hard in this. Yeah, consumers are, are, you know, requiring it for products that they're, you know, they want to know that the companies they're buying products from are, you know, they're operating, you know, in an efficient, sustainable way. You know, what's the what's the what's the dynamic, you know, effect now with this yeah. new? Situation? So what we're what we're seeing is, um, uh, first of all, very few boards, um, and this is a generalization, know as much as they need to know. So the first thing is education. So right. they might task a board member, maybe set up a board committee, an ESG committee, and a lot of the, you know. Uh, NASDAQ companies and New York Stock Exchange and London Stock Exchange companies have done that because they've had to. Because <laughs> um, if the investors don't see some sense of ESG somewhere, they'll be worried. Um, right. uh, and what we're seeing is that, um, I mean, certainly doing people doing our diploma in ESG, a lot of them are doing it because they've been told by their organization, find out about, find out about this stuff. What is it? What do we do? Right. Um, where do we start? Well, you start small, not big. Um, and uh, part of the job is to educate the board and perhaps educate the executive and then eventually perhaps hire some at the executive level to figure out what they need to do. Um, so, you know, a lot of organizations saw ESG kind of as, as a bolt on to strategy, you know, 18 months ago. Now it needs to be integrated into it because it's part and parcel of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest challenge that I'm seeing in the industry you know, as, as a consultant uh, is that, you know, a lot of companies are struggling to wrap their hands, get their hands around the actual data that they yeah. need to obtain to, Absolutely. you know, do the proper reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, they have managed their businesses in a way that allows, you know, I guess, individuality with, you know, divisions or operating units. And there hasn't been, quote unquote, uh, a requirement to manage this information more strategically, like through a platform where it can roll up into a system. There's been a lot of, you know, 
you guys just make sure you're in compliance and and don't get any NOVs and we're okay, right? Instead, now it, 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 the whole landscape is changing in my mind. Yeah, I think a big challenge if you're on the board is and you're getting data about, <clears throat> I don't know, your carbon emissions or how, how, how close we to be, you know, uh, zero compliant is the data. Uh, right. Uh, and who's where's that data coming from? Who's collecting it? What's the veracity of that data? Uh, can we trust it? Right. Uh, can we audit it? Uh, who's audited? Can we trust the auditors? And so on. So there's a there's a new industry, you know, um, developing there, and rightfully so. Um, and the, the next big challenge is how do they report this stuff in the in the, in the, in the running reports? Because you know there are, there are no standards as to how you present this information, but they're coming, and they're right. they're going to come quickly. Uh, and Europe is, I think, doing well there. Um, and there's legislation gone through the European Parliament on that front. But it's early days. And right. uh, it'll, be, it'll be the big companies first and, and then it'll just cascade Smaller down. Ones. I think that the, the challenge is, is really the, the, the digital transformation that some of these companies have to go through to consolidate systems, to you know, have an effective tracking system. That is a huge man- management of change challenge for big companies. And not only that, you know, uh, the top three skill sets looked for by boards typically are ESG, uh, digitization, and and cyber. Um, right. So uh, if you're on a board now, and you know, you might even think, well, if I'm uh, being offered uh, an opportunity to go on a board, I'd always say, you know, see if they have an ESG strategy. If they don't, you know, that's a that's a warning sign that they're Red not. Absolutely. They also yeah. need to be solvent, of course, as well. That's helpful. Um, you don't want to be involved in that. But yeah, so it's it's early days. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking at, at a career as a non-exec director, you, well, first of all, you need to have, I think, some sort of formal education in corporate governance, such as our diploma corporate governance. But we're now, what we're now seeing is some of the graduates are now doing the diploma in ESG, because that's going to advance their career as a non-exec director more quickly. Right. No, that's a great point. And, and it's great that, the, you know, you've got you've established that your business with this uh, a resource available for these aspiring directors and, and non, you know, non-executive directors. I mean, I think it's really great because people don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn to for this type of education sometimes because it's not really something that's, you know, out there that, you know, is, is easily, fi- you know, you can't find it that easy. No, it's hard. Um People might find it hard to find us as well. I don't know, but um, more people are finding it, which is great. Um, and that's, well, that's why, why we're bringing you on the show today, so we can get your message out. So. Right. No, but I mean, you know, uh, you know, we were a startup, and uh, now we're, we're we're making progress. But people still have to find us. So we, we produce, you know, three pieces of content a day uh, by two great journalists who are just uh, getting on top of ESG, getting on top of uh, diploma corporate goals. And writing it in a way that it's easy to understand. Right. You can, you can complicate stuff if, if you want to. You know. Well, right. You don't want to be in the weeds of the super technical aspects of, you know, ESG and greenhouse gas emissions and the calculation requirements and all the engineering behind that. That's not the level that I think the executive needs to be. And they need to have a more, of a, you know, a higher level, 30,000 foot view and understanding of the process so they can ask the right questions of their of their staff to you know execute on. Yeah, and that's what a good NED does. So uh, even if you don't have a background in ESG, a good non-executor will be asking, well, you know, 
do we have an ESG competence within the organization? Right. Um, if not, we should get one. Um, we need that to educate the board and we need that to figure out what our strategy should be. And, uh, you know, you don't be an organization that's maybe listed uh, that comes under scrutiny of the investors and they figure out, well, these guys are going nowhere and we need to find other places to invest our money. Right. And, you know, that could happen to BP quite quickly. Um, it's ha- I mean, Shell's being sued, as I said earlier on, for not moving quick enough. But I think we're going to see much more, you know, activist investors um, saying, well, if all these big resource companies have all this money, they should put it to better use on behalf of the shareholders by, by investing in renewables. Today's episode is sponsored by Cascade Environmental. Cascade's Compass Corporate Sustainability Program has been helping consultants balance economic, social, and environmental impacts of remediation on projects since 2014. Achieve your sustainable remediation goals by drawing on Cascade's leading national capacity, technical expertise, and their performance-focused approach to support any stage of your project lifecycle. When looking for a firm that can help you meet your sustainable remediation goals, then look no further than Cascade Environmental. To learn more, go to www.cascade-env.com. That's www.cascade-env.com. When you think about a lot of the big commitments that some of these companies have made, I mean, they've, they've, you know, a lot of them have come out and said, we're going to be, you know, zero net carbon by 2050, right? Well, that's a big, that's a big um, commitment to make. And, you know, investors over time are going to want to say, okay, well, what's your progress of trying to achieve that commitment that you've committed to? And so, you know, I, I can see why people are trying to uh, hold people accountable for these, uh, these things and not seeing progress is probably, you know, how, cause it's a culture change in a business. I mean, they need to really retool their business to, to meet some of these goals that they've committed to. So it's going to be a, a big lift for some of these companies for sure, especially, you know, the, you know, these, uh, resource co- companies. So, um, yes. I, I was looking on your website. Uh, I really like some of the resources that are available to, to, to people that want to come and learn a little bit more about, you know, ESG or corporate governance and things like that, that you can download some resources to get a little more educated, to, you know, get some better understanding of why, what, you know, what the topics are, what they need to learn about. And it's really going to drive them back to you guys to, you know, maybe do, do a course, you know. Yeah, and we offer the diploma in ESG in if you buy the module separately as well, and they're they're online, um, so you can get a three-hour module. And you know, there's a lot of resources you can download within that module as well. Um, on say in the diploma in corporate governance, you can download well, you know, a, a template for a code of conduct or a template for um, a conflict of interest policy. Right. Or what, what does a CEO report look like? And we're adding as people ask us to the Diploma in ESG to certain tools there. But these are all quite new, and we're still trying to find out, you know, what are the top 10 that directors need to know. So um, on the Diploma in Corporate Governance, it's easier because um, that's my background, but right. uh, my background is not ESG, so we're trying to find tools that will be helpful to directors. Uh, and one thing I would say, because it, it was something that came up from a previous conversation, where do you start uh, to... Um, become an non-exec director. Um, well, you need to have some governance qualification, in my view, but it, 
you know, most boards in the world don't hire people with governance qualifications. They might hire people with great experience, like Warren Buffett. Um, yeah. um, and where they might start, and they shouldn't wait till they're 50 or 55 or 60. They should be thinking this in their early 30s. Well, I try and get on a board of a big nonprofit uh, who is a good brand. Right. And maybe try and get one of their committees first to see if you like it, to see if they like you. Right. And so if you're a, you know, a CPA, you could get onto the finance committee there and uh, then perhaps uh, say, well, I have an interest in going further over time. And because uh, you need to look at the risk as well for you. Is this place well run? Right. Will your professional career be jeopardized if things go, you know, belly up? And uh, then get on the board there. There should be brands that are well known. So you're easy to market with the better brands around you. And then progress, uh, depending on your what your profession might be. So that's what we say some bo- some people could go. Or you just might try, say, go to a private company and see if they need your skills or not. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you need to be open to, I think you need to let people know you're open to those types of uh, roles too, right? I mean, you got to start somewhere. And, and if you don't let people know you're interested, they're not going to know or think yeah. of it. Yeah. And LinkedIn is a place to go. So if people are looking for people, your LinkedIn profile needs to be really SEO friendly. So if you're somebody who's an expert in, I don't know, risk or strategy, it's there. Uh, it's showcased. They can find you. But well, I I yeah, you, you, I was watching one of the videos you had on your website. Amory Taylor was on be, as was yeah. interviewed, and she said, "Hey, look, if you're on LinkedIn in your about section, you know, put it there that you're open to, you know, yeah. non-executive, you know, board roles, uh, because they, you know, those SEO searches will find you, and maybe you will get a, a call. Who knows, right? Yeah, but I think you need to be, you know, that that's kind of the minimum standard. But I think you need to be out there uh, and. You know, if you have an interest in financial services or pharma or healthcare or forestry, you need to be pushing stuff out there, um, you know, yeah. blog. Uh, leadership. Yeah, absolutely. You should be doing a lot of that. Conference, all the usual stuff. And so that makes you easier to find. Um, right. Yeah, you know, that's what I did in my early days uh, when I started a consulting company. I did made my level best to be president of anything because I, I, I get in the newspapers. <laughs> now, now it's much more difficult um, yeah. and, and much more sophisticated. Uh, yeah, social media works. So, you know, if you're an aspiring uh, board member, you know, and you want to get started, you know, what type of skills should you look to obtain, you know, specifically? I mean, should they they try to have some experience in like managing a P&L or, you know, what, what are things that they should try to, to do to really, you know, upskill themselves to be ready? Well, you know, if they come from an executive background, they'll have some functional skill. It could be finance, it could be marketing, it could be ops. Um, but I think they're probably better placed if they have skills like finance, because boards are always looking for qualified accountants, whether uh-huh. it's a nonprofit or a sporting organization or a private company. It's, you know, if you can read financial statements, you're in a much better position. Uh, because to many people on the boardroom table, that's like dark arts they just don't understand. And in particular, cash flow, which, of course, you know, pays the bills. Um, strategy is also a good thing to understand, too, because, you know, part of your role around the boardroom table is trying to figure out, you know, if the executive bring forward uh, the proposed strategy for the year or for the three years ahead or five, whatever it is, that you have the ability to ask good questions about that. Look, have you done good competitive research? Have you done a SWOT? Do we have the capability and all that type of stuff? So I say finance and strategy, corporate governance, of course. It helps, um, right. uh, 
So, but I think, you know, those are the kind of what I call the hard skills. And then the, the softer skills, which are, you mentioned as we spoke the last time, mindful self-awareness. But I think a key skill is the ability to be in the moment. Uh-huh. Right. What I mean by that is, you know, COVID came along and many boards just didn't know what to do. Right. Uh, many boards didn't realize, okay, our CEO is now operating from her kitchen and she's supervising eight people around the country who she's not going to see for an awful long time. And the chair is not, you know, um, paying enough attention to the CEO, not in contact enough. And, you know, I've seen organizations like that not too well because the directors weren't in the moment. They didn't grasp the seriousness of the situation. Now, yeah. albeit it was tough. Yeah. But being in the moment, you know, it could be a crisis. It could be when, you know, if you're on the board of, say, Volkswagen, when Dieselgate happened in the USA, you know, it took them some time to get in the moment there and realize the implications of it. Right, uh, right. It took some times later. And clearly you need to be, you know, mindful. You need really good communication skills and the ability to be constructive. So I come across, uh, I was talking to somebody today. Um, she's the CEO of a big public body in Ireland where, the board were all were too critical of what um, I suppose proposals they brought forward, and they say, "Well, I don't like this." They weren't mm-hmm. saying, "I disagree with you," and here's some options to think about. So it wasn't being constructive. A good right. non, a non-exec director is constructive. Right. They don't have to agree with the executive all the time, but they need to offer opinion or other options, and that's what a good NED does. Yeah, have, have a, an alternative solution uh, or a recommendation to, you know, uh, you know, maybe a position that you're not you know, in agreement with so that, the, that we can have an alternative here. Right. They need to consider that. So that's a good, good, good up opinion or observation. That's there. That's what they get paid for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. And so they, they should be doing that because they're not bringing their value uh, as, a, as a member if they're not. Right. So, no, um, and in, you know, and sorry to interrupt there, but, in, you know, in large organizations, the non-execs will undergo a performance review once a year. And then at the end of three years, when their term is up, typically, um, you know, the nominations committee will say, this person isn't delivering any value. We're not going to renew it. You know, you know, that, and that's the way it should be. It's a better. Right. Thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they have a job and, and, and the boards are evaluating them and uh, for doing their job. And they if they're bringing the value, then they'll be probably retained. But um, yeah. This episode is sponsored by PACE, people advancing science to protect our environment and improve our health. PACE provides an unmatched depth and breadth of testing and analytical capabilities along with professional services for your in-house lab needs. They have the expertise, capacity, and delivery infrastructure to provide the certified results you require when and where you need them. With over 40 years of innovation, more than 500 certifications and accreditations, PACE is serving customers through over 100 lab and service center locations with mobile lab, on-site, and emergency response service options available. At PACE, they honor their commitments so you can honor yours. The next time you are presented with an environmental testing and analytical needs, turn to PACE. To learn more, go to www.pacelabs.com. That's www.pacelabs.com. We're seeing a lot of uh, changes in, in, in society and, and at, at business levels. And, you know, 
that's you know diversity in, in the directors of, of boards is really becoming uh, a more mainstream uh, initiative I think throughout the world really and so talk about how important gender diversity or age and ethnicity and things like that are important to you know create a, an effective operating board so the place I would go is their strategy what are they trying to achieve as an organization and that's going to influence, you know, the profile of the individuals you need around the boardroom table uh, from a skills point of view, diversity point of view. Um, and I'm, of, I'm often asked, you know, um, well, we need to be more diverse board. Well, I say, well, who's your customer base? Um, what's the profile of your staff look like? And, and all that. And a lot of the time they just don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's not a good place to be. Right. So if you're selling food and, you know, you find out that, well, we're selling food into, you know, three or four uh, different ethnicities. Well, then you probably want some of those reflected in some shape or form on sure. the executive team and or on the board. Right. Or if you're selling into different countries, you may want, you know, different types of people on the board. So if you're selling into Mexico, that's a very different market from, you know, um, the East Coast of the USA. Um, uh -huh. And you need to understand the culture of that organization. Uh, so you need somebody on the board who understands that culture. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. Um, but they need to understand that culture. So getting that diversity right is really important because, you know, there's endless um, piece of research that said diverse boards make better decisions. So it's like, you know, if, you, uh, if, if, you're, if you're married, you know, the man and the wife together will make a better decision than the, the wife and the husband individually because they probably look at more views. And that's it's as simple as that. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, yeah, I think there's that's that's becoming a, a real needed, you know, trend, and and I'm I'm glad to see there's a lot more initiative in that um, on board. So, you know, some of the attributes that are essential for board members, you know, we we were touching on it earlier, but you know, like emotional intelligence, trust, aware, self awareness, mindfulness, compassion. I mean you know, the ability of a board member to, it's a really good, a networker, somebody who's got PL experience or marketing experience. I mean, these are all skills and, and, uh, you know, attributes that need to be, of you know, identified in a board member is, you know, to be effective is what I understand. And talk about how important this really is for people. Well, I think good board members, um, well, the first thing I do is prepare well for, for, for meetings and uh, they don't come unprepared. Um, you know, in the selection of the board members, um, there's a much greater focus on their harder skills like strategy or governance than the soft skills. Um, so if you're putting a team together, you th I think you need to think about the soft skills too and put potential directors through a process to understand. And I'm no expert in this, but Myers-Briggs is one particular model out there. Right. You know, and we're typically all in one, one square of that. So you're bringing a group of people together who bring different, I suppose, uh, personal attributes and characteristics, which makes the board better, a better place to be. And, you know, most of the big headhunt companies don't go that far. They generally hire, well, we need somebody with a strategy background, not somebody who's you know, great at strategy, but they're compassionate. You don't see that in the adverts. <laughs> you just right. see, we just need, you know, a head of uh, a board member who's a qualified accountant or whatever it might be. So that's the trickier piece there. And I think, you know, nominations committee, I, I think need to focus a lot more on that because you don't want the same personality profile of everybody right. on the boardroom table. That won't right. work. Right. That won't work. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've gone through uh, the Enneagram. Have you heard of that one as well? That's a, another kind of Myers Briggs uh, type, um, okay. uh, you know, personality assessment, and uh, that's a pretty interesting one there. Um, and there's others, like you said. So it's good to have like a mix of different, you know, A types, you know, uh, you know, the introverts, uh, you know, clerics. Those type. I mean, you need these types of individuals that are on the boards that can really bring a, a full, uh, you know, a better outcome, uh, as we mentioned. Um, so I know you guys have been doing a lot of work in, in uh, Europe, uh, I think is, is where a lot of the, the, I guess, the leaders that are coming to corporate, gov- you know, the Corporate Governance yeah. Institute. Uh, but, uh, you know, talk a little bit about maybe uh, your ability to uh, expand over here in the U.S. market. Yeah, so... Um... So we, we've released some content in the last three or four weeks, and uh, the third highest level of uh, openings of that content has come from the USA, which has kind of got our attention. Now, it has been articles on Elon Musk and others, so you know it's all very topical. Um, but the fact they've opened it and read it is interesting. Uh, right. And why are they opening our content as opposed to perhaps somebody else's content, and perhaps nobody else produces? We don't know. Uh, but the USA is a big place. Uh, I mean... I think I've been to you know twenty of the states there in my time, and traveled there many times. So it's we need to understand um, East Coast versus West Coast versus the Middle or the South. We need to understand that, and we need to understand, you know, uh, is governance more important in some states than others? I just don't know. Um, right. But my feeling is that you know if we're to start, it'll be the East Coast. I think because you know, um, well, there's a lot of financial institutions in New York, for example. Right. A lot of Organization there, you know, we've got a lot of yeah. investment and, companies, and then you've a lot of uh, you know, um, companies in the US registered in Delaware, um, as well, which we found out. So, um, we're still trying to understand that. We're reasonably close to NASDAQ and some of the people there, and they said, Look, there's no product like yours in the USA, and uh, so we're probably going to. Yeah, use their informal advice as to how we might get there, but we need we need to do some research. We, we think it's uh, uh, ripe for development uh, because you know in 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 in, in Europe, uh, having um, a president as the chair and the CEO is just a no no. It just doesn't fly. It goes against every um, principle of corporate governance. Whereas in the US, that's quite common, as I understand. So we need to understand that to see if we if we need a slightly different product. I think it'll be broadly the same. But it might need to be tweaked a little bit, uh, sure. and, that, and that's just, that's not just corporate governance. We think the ESG product would fly anywhere because it was yeah. developed with uh, ten experts in ten different countries around the world. Yeah, I think you know, I think the ESG, uh, you know, certificates and diplomas that you guys are are offering are going to be the biggest uh, growth engines, more than likely. I mean, it, it is uh, the top of mind for everybody in the in- industry here. Um, yeah, it's, certainly, um, it's certainly um, our lead product at the moment. It's just if we were a supermarket, there'd be no products left on the top shelf, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's flying out the door. It's, it's an easy sell. Um, you know, it's priced competitively. And we think we were first to market with an accredited um, self-paced product in the world that was online. So that helped. We just right. you know, we caught the moment, as they say. Well, that's great. That is that's great. Well, uh, David, how do uh, how do listeners get a hold of uh, you, or how how can they uh, get more information about the the corporate you know governance institute? 
Well, just go to our website. It's www.thecorporategrowthinstitute.com and uh, you know, download a brochure. There's plenty of them there, uh, plenty of choice. Uh, if they want to get hold of me, just go to my LinkedIn profile, David W. Duffy. Uh, I can't remember the rest of it, but uh, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll put a link to uh, your uh, yeah. contact information on my website for sure. So. Or just send me a letter, David Duffy, Ireland. It'll get to me. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of David Duffy's in Ireland. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The, the, you guys, I think you have some newsletters that people can sign up for, get some content from you guys yeah. as well, right? Every every week it goes out at 11 o'clock on a Thursday. Okay. Uh, and there's some great stuff in there. I mean, today, for example, we have a survey to rate your um, ability to understand technology in the boardroom. And it's done with an organization in the UK called Boards Intelligence. So that's a joint venture to see, you know, how comfortable are directors in the boardroom now with the technology that's used there. And there's 400 different types of technology you can use in the boardroom. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it, you need to stay up on technology to stay relevant. That's for sure in, in today's society. So in business. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you rest, you rust, as they say. That's right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, look, David, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I think we've covered a lot of really good ground, explained a lot about, you know, what corporate governance is, the uh, the, the diplomas and certificates that you're offering, how important ESG is to a board and, and, and to the growth of a, of a, of a company. Uh, really appreciate you coming on board today and um, we'll uh, get your information out to the listeners. Really appreciate it. Sean, thank you very much, and I uh, really appreciate the invitation. And I would say to anybody who wants to, you know, do anything with this, they'll become part of a, an online global community, which I think will be unique in the world. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's uh, you know, look forward to continuing this conversation with you, David, over the you know, course of the next you know, year or so and, and see how the progress of your, your company is growing. And who knows, I think I might have to sign up and, and, and get a certificate. So I'm looking forward to it. There's a price for everything, Sean. That's right. <laughs> All right, my friend. Hey, take care. Thank, Thank you. You soon. Cheers. Thank our guest, David Duffy from the Corporate Governance Institute for coming onto the show today. If you have any questions about the trainings they offer, please feel free to contact David via email at david at thecorporategovernanceinstitute.com. You can also connect with David through LinkedIn or visit their website. I'll also put a link to this contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on all major podcast networks or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. And remember, don't forget to follow us. And we'd really appreciate if you'd leave a review for us on your podcast app. It also helps us increase our placement in most of the podcast networks. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Well, thanks for listening and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.